0: Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. Just me today, because once again, we're taking you back to the Nebula Awards. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we let you hear our talk with Anne Leckie. That happened right before she won her Nebula Award. This week, we're going to be talking to the man who was the Grand Master at the Nebula Awards. He's an award winner many times over himself. We had the great pleasure of talking with Samuel Delaney. So sit back, relax, enjoy our conversation. Uh, Veronica was on vacation still at the time of that recording, so remember it's me and Josh Lawrence. We are here with uh, the Grand Master of the Science Fiction Writers of America's 30th uh, Awards Ceremony, Mr. Samuel Delaney. I-, I know people call you Chip, though. That's my nickname. How okay. are you guys? Hey. I'm Tom. You could welcome to. Call me whatever you want Okay, Tom Tom <laughs> and, and Josh Nice to meet you In what combination do you feel grand and masterful this weekend?
1: I don't feel very grand and I don't feel <laughs> uh, very masterful I doubt I ever have I can't imagine myself ever feeling too grand and masterful I'm, I'm one of those sort of kind of vague and confused guys <laughs> and which well. I, I'm sure I shall go to my grave feeling vague and confused <laughs> Being somewhat vague and confused, often myself,
0: I, I can understand. Uh, it still must be. It must be nice uh, yes, to get it that is kind it's of recognition, very warming I'm that
1: sure. people have um, you know, decided to, to 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 do this.
0: Well, let's. Uh, we've got some fan questions I want to get to in a, in a little bit, um, but I want to start off with a question. A lot of times, we we talk to people, uh, you know, about um, what they're working on now or, or, or new books. Uh, with you, you've got such a body of work behind you. Uh, I'm curious your perspective on why you write, why anyone writes.
1: Um, the the answer that always seemed to me to be the the, um, um, the most logical is one put forward by the critic Harold Bloom, who said he thought that writers write... As a rebellion against the failure to write, uh, that um, you know, not writing somehow gets equated psychologically with death or something, and so you you're afraid. It's a way of um, fighting that 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 anxiety of just you know extinction and non non being and all those uh, fancy kind of notions, and uh, you know, and it's a way of it's a it's it's a way of combating. One aspect of being alone in the world, Uh, although I'm not alone, I'm I'm partnered with a really wonderful guy, uh, whom with whom I've lived for the last 24, going on 25 years, Um, and uh, so you know, so that's probably the reason why why we write. I I hope I make it to 24 years of happiness with my partner as well. That's that's fantastic.
0: (laughs) it does bring up I've, you know, I heard some people say That they don't create as well When they're happy
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Do you think that's true? Or do you think it's just A different kind?
1: I think it's a different kind I, um, I res- There's a certain kind of anxiety I respond very well to um, And then there's a certain I also um, uh, mm-hmm. Respond very well to um, A certain kind of Pleasure um, and um, but and when I can put them both at the same time, <laughs> uh, it's even better. Yeah, the multiplier uh, effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we read the Einstein intersection as a book pick earlier this year, and Rob on our forum said it's quickly become one of his favorite novels. He says two of the major creative sources of that book seem to be *Finnegans Wake* and *The City of Venice*. How has your relation with these two things, or your opinion of them, changed since you
1: wrote the novel, and in what way? I don't think my relationship with Finnegan's Wake is... I I don't know. I I have no idea what the relationship between The Einstein (laughs) Intersection and Finnegan's Wake is. Um, It's a novel I, I, I did read, but I don't think I got around to reading it until... Really reading it I mean I'd looked at it On and off Ever since I was a kid But I don't think I got around to Really reading it Till the 80s uh, There was a um, uh, A gallery The Paula Cooper Gallery And they would sponsor Every New Year's They would sponsor A, um, uh, a reading On alternate years Finnegan's Wake and one year and the following year They would read Gertrude Stein's The Making of, the Making of Americans mm. And uh, you'd get an hour or two hours Where you were supposed to read And you'd usually read with a partner And you'd read it every other paragraph Your partner, so the two of you uh, Would read And I used to read with a man named uh, Richard Kostelonitz Who was an old friend of mine That I'd known in summer Camp And then he'd gone on to be an experimental writer And very, very smart An interesting fellow. And he would come, and I would, you know, um, we'd get there anywhere, you know, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. We always took the late night sessions, and we would read, um, you know, and you were only supposed to read for an hour but invariably in the late night sessions the next person who was to read would never show up so you'd end up reading sometimes for three and even four hours and Richard and I loved to do this so we would just sit there and read all night long and so we were we were staunch supporters of the Paula Cooper annual reading of the Makings of Americans on the one hand and uh, 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 Finnegan's Wake so over about 15 years um, maybe even I think it went on for like something like 22 years before the Paula Cooper closed and they they started first they, they cut their readings but I got to read pretty much the whole of both books out loud in some cases some sections several times you know in the four quark what you know the four four quarks for Mr. Mark's uh, section of Finnegan's Wake mm-hmm. and the coach with the four insides with another section of Finnegan's Wake and yeah, and and uh, all of all of the makings of Americans uh, and I'm very glad I did because otherwise I don't think I ever uh, would have read, read them from end to end and eventually I did sit down after I sort of familiarized myself with 20 pages here and 50 pages there and 60 pages there uh, and with the whole thing and I, yeah, it, was, it was quite an experience What would you say were the major influences on the Einstein Intersection the time he wrote it? Oh I don't know um, I like to think that I don't have influences <laughs> I, uh, I Free just, of the anxiety of influence from, free, yeah, from. Absolutely, yes, free of the anxiety of, of influence um, I'm more um, I, did spawn, I, you know, I did spend a couple of weeks in Venice and some of that did go into the, the book uh, But uh, you know, um, I think Venice has more to do with it than than, than Finnegans Wake*. Certainly, mm. mm-hmm.
0: Tamahome uh, wanted to ask on a, on a different book, your novel Dahlgren mm-hmm. She asks, "What does it mean?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is a horrible a question broad, to answer, answer a, ask an, an author. But I, I noticed uh, recently uh, in a video you, you, you touched on Dahlgren.
1: Well, uh, I will quote um, um, William Gibson here, who wrote a very nice and very, I think, astute introduction to Dahlgren. And said he said, Dahlgren was a mystery that was never meant to be solved. So there you go, Tamahome. Now you know. Now you know.
2: Uh, Tamahome also asks, Will you ever write another rated PG Or traditional science fiction novel?
1: It depends on what they change Rated PG to include Mm. Um, uh, I don't see Any reason why any of the other Books I haven't written (laughs) Couldn't be rated PG Uh, But it would require some different attitudes Towards children Uh, Parents sex, all sorts of other things.
0: Sure,
1: sure. What, uh, what are some of your favorite
0: books or authors these days yourself?
1: Oh, let me see. Um, this I ju- question
0: comes from Timothy, I'm sorry.
1: Okay, I just, one, one of the most recent books I read was C.L.R. James' um, Study of Moby Dick, which I thought was just spectacular. What is it called? Um, Renegades... Renegades, Renegades, Runaways, Sailors, Renegades, and Runaways. Uh, and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant book on Moby Dick and what the significance of it was. And just before that, I, was, I reread um, Charles Olson's um, little book, uh, Call Me Ishmael, which I think is a great prologue to reading the, the, the James study. I think they were both thinking along very similar lines. James... Um, who was a black Caribbean critic, I think went a little bit for, more further than Olson did, but The Olson certainly is a great setup for reading The James. Excellent.
2: See, Rob ask, what would you consider to be the most important non-genre novel for a person to read?
1: Well, I don't know whether there are
0: any ge- non-genre novels. Yeah, I'm going to assume that Rob means non-science fiction. Mm-hmm. Non-science fiction. Yeah. Okay.
1: yeah, because I mean, I, in the word again, um, I'm I'm great at quoting, letting other people do my work for me, um, as Derrida Da says. No text escape can escape escape all genre marks. Right. Uh, every text bears the mark of at least one mm-hmm. genre, and sometimes three and four. Um, and I think that's true. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think one of the, the problems that we are trying to kind of negotiate now is the fact that there are too many things to pick out the single thing that is that everyone should read. Um, one of the things that that feels the most dated about the CLR James study of Melville is right in the beginning. He talks about attending an academic conference sometimes in the. F- 40s or possibly 30s, and where someone uh, asked uh, an English an English English professor, well, what are the two? What is, what is the greatest novel? Uh, what's the greatest English language novel ever written? And he said, well, do you mean English or do you mean English and American? And so the person said, well, English and American. He said, oh, well, that's easy. He said that the the first the greatest novel in English in, in in the English English language is is. Uh, Um, George Eliot's Middlemarch And the greatest novel all times in the English language Is the American novel Moby Dick Uh, And James sort of goes on to riff on this For a couple of pages Um, But the point is I don't think In this day and age you can say that I don't think you can make that kind of call Anymore. Uh, what? Under the Volcano is a wonderful, a great and wonderful novel. Ulysses is a great and wonderful novel. Moby Dick is a great and novel, wonderful novel. A Middlemarch is a great and wonderful novel, as are lots and lots of others. Uh, and as soon as you get anybody with any real education, the fun starts as they start arguing. And discussing, well, I think, you know, I think Gene Reese's Good Morning Midnight is a really amazingly fine novel. I like Christian Bach's Unoya, uh, which, you know, it's, yes, it's very modern, but it's, you know, um, well, I'm a big fan of the David Markson novels. So, you know, and um, I think that's, that's the healthiest situation you could possibly have in this world, we live, you know, this, this reading world that we live in is where people are constantly in 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 contest about what is what's a good book. And so I, I just encourage people to talk about whatever they've come across and what they particularly like. You know, be and and just to start talking about the one that's the really the, the real greatest novel is just you're just you're showing just how provincial you are. That's that's all that it can show. Do you think that that's changing for science fiction and fantasy? Uh, I think it's changing he, for every. I think it's changing yeah, yeah. for everyone. For I don't every think it, genre. For every yeah, type I think of it's writer. because yeah, I think it's because there are so many there are so many novels and so many good ones. There's so many good science fiction novels around. Oh there's so many good you know there are so many good literary novels there's so many good mystery novels there's so many good graphic novels you know i i'm I'm a great comic book fan uh, and uh, you yeah. would you uh would
0: you get rid of the literature section at a bookstore no and that' that's in, in that in that in the sense that there's sort of this artificial divide That some authors fight against Like they don't want to be shelved in science fiction I Even know. if it's a science mm-hmm. fiction story yeah, oh, yes. Would you get rid of that section to say Look, these are all
1: some kind of story I think, that's, I, think, I think that's finally kind of absurd as well There are days I want to read a science fiction novel You know And, I, I want, and it, it's nice to know That if I can go to that shelf You know, and find it There are days I want to read a western There are days I want to read A 19th century Victorian novel yeah, shelve the classics over here so I know where to find them, uh, you know. And uh, uh, but they're and they're always going to whatever arrangement. They're going to be books that escape sure. that arrangement, you know. And uh, which again is the way you know. Um, so that's why you need an education, you know. What education? What an education is for is how to negotiate these inadequate. Um, um light, a set of you know um, bibliographical you know categories that that come up that's why that's why you need to go to school you know and to discuss reading with other people so you know where to find what you want you know or at least to, to start looking for what you want. The categories are, are just signposts.
0: They shouldn't. They shouldn't mean as much. I, I worked at a bookstore. We would get in uh, long philosophical arguments about where to shelve Vonnegut. Yeah. Or, you know,
1: something like that. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. I mean, I, I I I can, I tell the story fairly frequently of walking into you know back in the eighties at some point there was a, a bookstore called Shakespeare and Company. Uh, It originally was on 82nd Street and Broadway before it moved down to the Village, and I used to go there all the time. And they kind of liked me, and I liked them. And uh, and I went in, and there was a new young woman who was shelving, and she had a big dolly full of uh, books, and on the top of it there was a whole stack of Don DeLillo's Ratner's Star. And uh, she was putting things away, and I said, "You know, you really ought to take some copies of that and shelve them with science fiction upstairs." Cause, and she said, "Oh, oh no, this is a very good book, yeah. you know." And I said, "Yes, it is a very good book. That's why I'm suggesting you put some of it in science fiction." And she said, "That's cr- that's that, that's what do you mean? That's crazy, I, I, you know." And um, so, you know, and I thought, "Okay, let let me back off, you know." Which, She's doing what she thinks her job is. Sure. And then I looked over about a minute later, and the tears are running down her eyes. She's, she's weeping at the tension that came with somebody suggesting that, I, that she shelved this literary novel with science fiction, which, of course, I think is a, a wonderful story about how heavily invested yeah. – some people are in the separation of the genres To the point where I think a good description Of what genres basically are in the society Is they are a mode of social segregation That's how they function you know, and, that these, and, and that the social segregation is remarkably powerful And, and, and people have a deep you know, emotional investment In, 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 in supporting it um I you know I I've, I've never been to a party in my entire life. I these are old stories that I've told where somebody doesn't walk up to me at some point. And um you know and, and you know I'm there you know to the point to the point where I sometimes I wonder like maybe I don't want to go to any more parties. But I go in and somebody says um, comes up to me perfect stranger. Um, I hear you write science fiction. And I say that's right. I don't like science fiction very much. You know, and it's the same thing. The same people would never say this to a poet even if they didn't like poetry and most there are more people who dislike poetry than like science fiction dislike science fiction if the mumbled truth be known. But poets are protected from this by the same forces that respectable. Yeah, yes, that yeah and and that 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 cause people to feel that they have some kind of prophylactic mission in the world to, to you just, I don't like science fiction very much, you know. I want to say, did anyone ask you? You know, I mean, why are you telling me? Right. I mean, if you don't like science fiction, I didn't ask. You know, don't talk to me. You know, I didn't. I, I don't know you. Right. You know, but they really feel that they are making the world safe and a better place. I hear you're you. a ship's captain. I don't like boats. <laughs> yes, right, right. It's, yeah, it's exactly this. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they think, and as I said, and 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 I, I, the I there there was a celebration of my work, in the Kelly Writers House in uh, Philadelphia three weeks ago. I went down there, and after you know. People singing my praises and delivering papers and what have you during the 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 cheese and wine afterwards I'm standing there and this woman comes up to me and I thought, "Oh here I know what she's going to say and she says, "I've never read any science fiction, but the fact is I don't like it very much." okay. <laughs> and I said, at that point, I said, do you want to know why you're saying that? Uh, yeah. So we, I talked about the, you know, I, you can historify it if you want, because it is a you know, it has, a, it has a, this attitude as a history. Sure. Um, well, and, and people reflect their identities in yeah. those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, by, by saying I'm a champion of poetry and not science fiction, they're, right. they're saying I am,
1: I am not shallow, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm deep. And Although I think it, that's it, it, turning on its head, right? Yes. Head. And at this at this point, what they're saying is, I am a champion of a very old fashioned notion of poetry, and I am um, and I am, and I am ignorant of a certain notion of science fiction.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. I and I think it's I think it's safe for me
1: to be ignorant. Because, yes. Yeah. yeah right, right. Because my you know I I'm celebrating. I want to celebrate my <laughs> ignorance at your expense. <clears throat> uh, did you happen to read, among others, by Joe Walton?
0: Uh, it, it, no, it I haven't. I have.
1: I haven't yet. Somebody told uh, this, you're about the third person who's mentioned really? it. Really? Me okay. Yeah. In I'm the last surprised. in the last
0: week, you get mentioned quite a bit uh-huh. by
1: one of the characters named Maury. Okay. Uh,
0: and and it makes me think of it because this is a young girl. She's in public school. I won't go into the whole story, but she is finding her identity and finding friends in a science fiction and fantasy writer reading mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's set roughly the like mid '70s. I yeah. think. Um, and they're reading all the authors who were publishing at that time. The, the character's a big fan of yours, mm-hmm. so that's probably
1: why you're okay. hearing it. She
2: has commentary about each of your novels as she goes through them. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um. She's been a very supportive critic of, of me. <laughs> I, mean, I do know that, and, and I am and I feel very beholden to her. Of
2: course. Hmm. Well, speaking of those attitudes towards science fiction and and science fiction versus literature and people investing in one or the other, are there big disappointments or missed opportunities you see in the direction science fiction has taken the time that you've served your career in it? or, Or is there anything you think that is... Been left unexplored by science fiction that really
1: needs hmm. investigating, which is the same question. I'll, um, it's two versions of the same yeah. question. Um, I don't know. Um, it, it's 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 in a it's a huge question. I mean, it's so huge that I don't even know whether it, it can be asked. It's kind sort of like saying, you know, has there has literature, you know, has any genre um, missed a huge opportunity? Um, when all the opportunities have been fulfilled, the genre will cease to be. Right. <laughs> so, of course, it's missed out opportunities, and that's why it proceeds, proceeds on into the, you know, into the future. Um, well, and I think, in a, in a sense, the fact that it has missed all these opportunities is a very good thing. Otherwise, it, mm-hmm. would, it wouldn't be here.
2: I guess maybe another way to put it is are there certain things that science fiction keeps? Investigating, or certain forms it keeps using that you think might block it from going in areas that would be fruitful. Is there basically is there any parts of science fiction that you you don't uh, that are like your least favorite tropes, or you or you think are least favorite avenues of?
1: Well, I mean, there are there there are certainly. There certainly, there's got the genre has its cliches and always has, and they are not the liveliest part of the genre. Um, and it's you know, I, and I've seen people bring those to people's attention, and I'm very glad they did. They did it by back in the '70s. I remember Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough a very fine um, writer uh, who wrote a series of very interesting uh, vampire novels. Uh, Back in the um, 70s when I was living in San Francisco She's just She, she read one too many Novels that, this, that had this particular Cliché and sort of and In some fanzine and wrote a Wonderful letter saying I am tired of entire worlds whose economy hinges on one product, you know. Uh, I don't want to read another novel, you know, a wheat world, you know, or garbage world, or, you know, or you know, or apple orchard world. I, this is you know, worlds are much bigger than that. You don't, you know, nor nor can a world with one single product function. They are ecological combinations, and they need lots of different. You know, environments to support. Uh, you know, and and wrote a beautiful. It was a beautiful essay, and and uh, it, and and it's something that I had felt myself without ever articulating it. But I'm. I to this day, um, I'm try to. You know, I try to. Um, I just remember Chelsea's uh, Chelsea Munyarro's. You know, exhortation to us all: keep your worlds as complex as a world is. Uh, and uh, you know, and you'll, you'll see that reflected just quite directly in, in almost every novel that I wrote from Nova on uh, that, that mentions outer space That worlds, are, worlds become complex places You know, we don't have just, you know A world whose entire surface is covered with frozen lava Not if it's got any kind of life on it sure. You know, uh, so uh, last question uh, before we wrap up here. Um, is, uh, what are you working on these days? Uh, another novel. Another novel. Always another novel. Always another novel. Which is just—it's a, a riff on a line from uh, um, Vladimir Nabokov's uh, *Pale Fire*, where he, um, uh, Charles Kinbote, says, "Another boy, another boy." <laughs> and so with me, it's another novel, another novel. Right. <laughs> Oh, and just one quick question about another question about the
2: Einstein intersection. It sure. seemed like a lot of that dealt with mythology and people mm, yeah. actually, literally, or entities maybe better word than people, literally inhabiting yeah. mythology. What is your your feeling about the role of mythology in writing?
1: Well, one of the things, of course, is I do think mythology is a fundamentally conservative force. I think there is a there's a, a, a view that, that sort of one associates with people like um, uh, uh, Campbell, uh, you know, Hero of a thousand faces and masks of a whatever those the the mask of whatever the series of of books he did on mythology now I joseph Campbell's. It, joseph yeah. Campbell. yeah 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 and which i did, and, and and which sort of leave the notion that somehow <coughs> excuse me no no <clears throat> I'm just that, going to look up joseph Campbell. that somehow that, that somehow myths are a source of um Nourishment and uh, nourishment and and radical thought—they're not. They're very conservative. And to quote Ernest Casera, uh, the committee nature of their composition assures that they're conservative, because a, a committee can't write a radical story. A committee gets together; they come up with the stuff that's the safest to say. And myths are, are the safest stories we can tell ourselves about what happened that tend to repress all the radical things that, by putting them down and stabilizing them with writing on, on a paper, um, contain the, the things that, <clears throat> that can be read uh, and unpacked uh, to come up with a new and creative answer. You know, the myth is constantly. it's is a well that swallows all that and and gets you and, and disperses it. And I think that's that's my that's my attitude uh, to myth. But even in the Einstein intersection, that's why the myths are always changing in, in the book. Yeah.
0: If uh, if we were to tell someone where to go find out more about you and your works, uh, is there is there some somewhere they should go on the on the internet? Is there a <clears>
1: website or anything? Well, they can just pick up a book of mine. And- Go get a <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was, I was, some people earlier today were filming me for an interview. And at one point, uh, the woman who was making the film, um, and as soon as it, the question came out of her mouth, she knew she had put her foot in it. I, before I even said anything, she said... Well, you, she was talking about an essay of mine on Ursula Le Guin that she hadn't read. And she said, Well, can you tell us in just two or three sentences what this 80 this, this page essay is about? And I thought for a moment and I said, No, <laughs> I can't. You know, if you want to find out, just go read it. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then, then we laughed. And uh, yeah, and, and discuss the problem of the various media trying to, uh, you know, condense condense it. everything into a soundbite. Uh, but do you do you have
0: a do you have a home on the internet for people though? Uh,
1: no, I don't have a, I don't have a website. Just search Amazon. my Facebook page. There you go. Uh, yeah, look for
0: you.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Really. Appreciate thank you guys. It. it was I thought this was interesting, and I, I you got some interesting questions. And I hope it, I hope that uh, your readers find it. You know, find it at least stimulating or something. Definitely. Surely will.
0: I'm sure they will.